If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 14 tonight. And as we continue our journey through the book of Philippians, of course, we've been challenged in the Word about being light and being life. We've also been challenged to, uh, to reach our ultimate goal, uh, to be all that we can be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, Paul continues that theme, if you will, uh, starting in verse number 12. And he uses now uh, the illustration of a runner. Paul was very familiar with uh, the Greek games and uh, he uh, used many times in uh, his writings, the analogy of sometimes it would be a boxer, and, uh, but a lot of times he would refer to a runner. And so he's helping us tonight in these verses 12 through 14 of the essentials of fulfilling your purpose. What is our purpose? Now we understand that we individually have a purpose. God, uh, when he... Uh, made you, when He formed you, before the foundation of the world, He thought of you, uh, and He had a purpose and plan for every one of our lives. Would you agree with that? That God has a purpose and plan for your life. And what we are to be about, if you will, is to be able to fulfill that purpose. Okay? That, that's, that's our purpose. So we have, individually speaking, God has given us a purpose. Now, the purpose that He's given me might not necessarily be the same purpose that you have, but we all have a purpose. But then we also see, not only do we speak of it individually, but we speak corporately. God has a purpose for this body, okay? And we are to fulfill together, working individually on our purpose, because when we're individually working on the purpose God set forth for us, then we're coming in unity, if you will, and then we're able to fulfill the purpose that God has for this church, okay? So with that thought in mind, we're in uh, verse number 12, Philippians chapter 3. This is what the Word says. Not as though I have already attained... And, and, and here we're going to see some word usage that gives us illustration, uh, gives us... Uh, uh, understanding that he's referring to a, a runner here. Uh, either uh, we're already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Then he goes on and he says, And brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Okay? I love that verse. That verse has helped me because there's times when I've looked behind and I lost sight of where I'm supposed to be going. Then in verse number 14 he says... And I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so for uh, just a few moments that we have, and by God's grace, we're going to look at the essentials. 
What do you need to be able to fulfill your purpose that God has set before you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for meeting with us tonight. I thank you for these in attendance. Lord, I know that uh, we're now going into the summer. A lot of people are in other places on vacations. And uh, Lord, that's all well and good. And uh, I pray that you just keep them safe and that you'll bring them back to us. But Lord, I thank you for these who are here tonight because I really believe if we all understand the purpose that you've set before us and that we have a desire to fulfill that purpose, we can turn this town upside down. Lord, I pray that you would just help us have understanding where we need understanding tonight. Lord, I ask you to help me to be able to preach in your power and your might. I'm fully conscious of the fact without you working in and through me, I'm absolutely nothing. And these people have come to hear from you. They have not come to hear from Mike because Mike has nothing to say, but you have a lot to say. And Lord, I pray that we'll make applications to our lives so that when we go out, we'll go out far, far better than when we first came in. We love you, Lord. I pray tonight we'll show how much we love you because we already understand how much you love us. We go no further than the cross to realize that you've loved us so much that you died for us. And I pray all of this in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So here we see that uh, uh, Paul is given the illustration of a runner. So uh, as he's given this illustration, we need to understand a few things. First of all, a runner, he's not so interested on how many miles he's already ran, okay? When I was back doing my running thing back a hundred years ago, uh, I was... I was more, I wasn't concentrating on the ground that I already covered, but I was looking forward to what I had left to run. <laughs> okay? If, if you are a runner, you know exactly what, you know, it's not like, well, how many miles have I run? What you're really concentrating is, when do I get to finish this thing? <laughs> and, and, and so here uh, we see that uh, Paul is telling us uh, that himself that he's, he's run the course. He, he, he's not worrying about what's behind him. He's more concentrated on what's before him. I'm telling you, spiritually speaking, that's exactly where we need to be in our lives as well. We don't need to be worrying about what's already been taking place, but we need to be fixed and focus upon what lies ahead for us. If we're going to be able to fulfill the purpose that God has given us, if we're going to be able to fulfill uh, what uh, He has called us to do, we need to be looking forward and we need to be pressing ahead. Amen? And so we see here uh, that uh, Paul is telling us as we're running this race, if you will, that if we're going to fulfill our Position. the first thing that we're going to have to understand is that we must be dissatisfied with our performance now. Now, Michael Jordan, uh, everybody knows Michael Jordan. Uh, some say the greatest basketball player that ever lived. I don't know about all that, and I'm not here to debate that. I really don't give a rip about who's the greatest basketball player in the world. Uh, but when he was uh, going to quit basketball... 
They asked him, well, why did you pick this time? Why do you think it was this time that you needed to go ahead and, and, and give it up? He says, because I have nothing else to prove. Now, un- understand, I can see when you're playing sports that there comes a time, uh, especially if you're successful like Michael Jordan, you won national uh, uh, championships, world championships, MVPs, you've done all that. He came to a place in his life where he says, why do I need to keep on doing this? Because I've proved everything I needed to prove. We also see it in the business world, do we not? We, we see that someone starts a company and he, he grows that company and he's very successful in that company and he's achieved all the goals that he set before him and he says, you know, it's time for me to go ahead and sell this business and start another business. Now that might work well, okay in sports and in business, but it does not work well in the spiritual realm. See, we need to understand that we'll never come to that point in our life to where we've fulfilled the purpose that God has set before us. We'll only be able to fulfill it when we cross the finish line. And so here we see that we need to be dissatisfied with our performance. Two things that we need to understand, two rules, if you will. To be... The, the, the level to, to rise or to raise your game up, if, uh, if you will. Two rules that you need to go by. First of all, if you're running and you understand that you have a, a goal in mind, you don't need to compare yourself to other runners. You, you just don't do that. They have a thing called a PR. A PR is when, you know, you're, you're clocking yourself and maybe you've gotten a mile and, and so you started out and you're running a seven-minute mile. And so you're running a seven-minute mile and if you start comparing yourself to other runners, you know who you'll pick out? The one who's running a 10-minute mile. Right? I mean, if, you, if you're running a seven-minute a seven mile, you're not looking at someone who's running a five-minute mile. You're going to find out the one who's running slower than you so, so you can say, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Look at that guy. you got to be careful comparing yourself to others because when you start comparing yourself to others, you will never fulfill the purpose that God has called you to fulfill. But then we also see that you don't compare yourself to others, but you do compare yourself to yourself and to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, there's the rules, there's the game rules, if you will. And so he's dissatisfied. Notice the word usage here. We're in verse number 12. Notice he says, I have not attained. That word attain means that uh, he has laid hold. He, he realizes uh, of all the attributes you can say about Paul, Paul came to the understanding that he has not laid hold of the prize that is before him. But then he also uses that word perfect. That word perfect means that there is no room for anything else. I'm telling you, in the Christian life, and as we're running this race, we always have room for improvement. We can always step our game up, if you will. But the only way we're going to do that is that you're going to have to get dissatisfied with your performance. Now, uh, watch this. So when you become dissatisfied, 
He, the Lord Jesus, becomes satisfied because he's satisfied when you're dissatisfied because he knows when you're dissatisfied, you're going to look at things and you're going to make an attempt to better things and to improve and to step your game up, right? But when you get satisfied, then he becomes dissatisfied because when you're satisfied, you're not looking for ways to improve your game or step up to the next level. And if you do that, when you become satisfied in your performance, you'll never fulfill the purpose that God has set before you. So then we go on and, and he says that I've attained. And he, then what, notice the two words, for which... For which, which means for this purpose. So here's Paul. Paul says, I'm dissatisfied with my performance because I've not been able to attain. I've not been able to apprehend. He says, I have not reached the prize. And so I know I need to get deeper in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I need to do better about my walk in the Lord Jesus. And he says, what the, for the purpose. So the question is, what is the purpose that's been set before us? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 13, uh, the Bible tells us a, a little, a, one of the purposes for the church. Now, before you get to verse number 13, you have to look at verse number 12. And in verse number 12, I'm paraphrasing here, it says that we are to edify. That word edify is an architectural word. It means to build up. What are we supposed to be doing as a church family? We are to be edifying one another. We are to be building up one another. Because when we are building up one another, how long does that go? How long does that take? Well, verse number 13 says we're to edify so we can unify okay we're to unify what when we all come to the fullness of Christ Jesus okay now watch this so I know this this is my purpose I am to be edifying as I'm going I'm looking for ways to encourage or to build others up and when we're coming, and the Bible says that when we all come to be unified, it says, well, Brother Mike, I don't know if that ever happened. You're probably right, which means we keep on doing it. Amen. We keep on doing it. We keep on doing it because we understand there are some who are not going to unify and I'm telling you, Hillcrest Baptist Church, if we're going to fulfill the purpose that God has set before us, we got to come together on this thing. We got to unify and we got to run this race together. And so he goes on and he says uh, uh, that uh, what, what is my purpose? Spurgeon said this. Spurgeon said that we have misjudged our God-given capacity. What does that mean? That means we're selling ourselves short. That's exactly what it means. What is our God-given capacity? Our God-given capacity is everything He's put in us. He's given us all the resources we need. We don't need more faith. We just need to strengthen the faith that we have. We don't need more Holy Spirit. We got all the Holy Spirit that we need. The Holy Spirit just needs to get more of us. 
And so here we're seeing that as we're running this race, our purpose, corporately speaking, is to build up, to encourage. And what are we encouraging? To full of fullness, which means to get more knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we're running this race together, we've come dissatisfied with our performance. We understand that we're lacking. We understand that I have gotten lazy. I've gotten apathetic. I've gotten complacent. I've become satisfied. And I'm telling you, if you're ever going to achieve and fulfill the purpose that God has in store for you, you cannot be lazy. You cannot be just like, oh, you know, I'm happy where I'm at. You should never, ever be happy where you're at in your spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you become satisfied, He comes dissatisfied. And I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to dissatisfy Him because of all that He's done for me. I want to satisfy Him. And the way I can satisfy Him is I'm dissatisfied. I'm not doing what I ought to be doing for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not working hard enough for Him. I'm not falling in love with Him like I ought to. And so here, we're going to fulfill, we have to have the essential first one is, you've got to become dissatisfied. But notice the second thing is that you've got to be dedicated to your progress. Look in verse, as we read in verse number 13. The little phrase says, this one thing, this one thing. See, Paul started to realize that God had a plan for his life Paul understood that he had a purpose in his life and it was this one thing. D.L. Moody said it this way. If you study D.L. Moody, back in 1871, before the Chicago fire, D.L. Moody was uh, teaching Sunday school, promoting Sunday school. He was active in the YMCA and he was preaching evangelistic meetings all around. After the fire... God got a hold of D.L. Moody and told D.L. Moody, Moody, this one thing I want you to do. And so he dropped everything else and went to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's all he did. Millions of people heard D.L. Moody preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thousands got saved under his preaching. So I'm telling you, the problem that we have is we, got, we, we think we got to be involved in everything. But I'm telling you, when I understand that this one thing I need to do, this is the purpose that God's laid before me. And when I'm working on that and when I'm striving towards that, and then when you're working for the purpose that God's laid upon your heart. See, it's a beautiful thing, is it not? When we realize the purpose that God has in store for us, He has equipped us. He has given us the spiritual gifts to be able to fulfill that purpose he's called us to be. But the reason why many of us are not able to fulfill the purpose that God's laid before us is because we think we have to be involved in everything. When it could be he just wants you to get involved in this one thing. But the scriptures also help us to understand in Nehemiah chapter 6 verse number 3. You all know the story. Nehemiah is building the wall. Word gets back that There were some that were wanting to meet Nehemiah. 
and the plains of Ono. Well, Nehemiah says, Oh no, I'm not going to go. And this is what he said in Nehemiah 6, 3. He says, I'm paraphrasing here. He says, how can I leave such a great work that God's doing here? This one thing. See, Nehemiah was very clear. God called him for a purpose. And the purpose was to rebuild the wall. I'm telling you, we need to understand the wall is crumbled. The wall needs to be rebuilt. And we're never going to see the wall be rebuilt until we find out what our purpose that we've been called to do. And we're looking to that and we're dedicated to pursuing that one purpose and that we as a church family understand what has God called us to do? What has God... He's called us to change this community. He's called us to speak life into a community that's dead. He's called us to show the love of Jesus Christ to those who do not know what love means. He's called us to speak life and to be light. And He's called us to change this community. And we will be able to do that under God's grace and God's power when God's people understand God's called me for this purpose. And this one thing I'll do, I'll do for His glory and for His honor. But then we also understand James 1, verse number 8. It says, A double-minded man is unstable. Now this leads us to the third essential here. First of all, we see you've got to be dissatisfied with your performance. Second of all, we've got to be dedicated to serve Him and to, and to follow through what God has called us to do. But we now we're seeing in, in James 1.8, it says a double-minded mind. What, what does he mean here? He means that his mind is not fixed. He, he, he's scattered. Man, he, he's... Got, I don't know about you, and I'll go ahead and tell this. At night is the worst time for me. When I get to bed and I lay down, my mind goes racing. And I'm thinking of the things I forgot to do, things I should have done better. And I, mean, I, I know I'm the only one in the room tonight that has problems like that. But I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I got to do this, I got to do this. And, 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 but in the end... Uh, it usually happens when I'm getting ready to pray. Anybody else have that problem? Man, I got, I got uh, prayer time, air time. We got all the good intention. Lord Jesus, I come to you. Well, you know, I forget. we're unstable. We're not fixed. See, we'll never be able to fulfill the purpose that God's laid before us if we're double-minded. We got to know what God's called us to do, and we need to focus ourselves upon that, and we need to get down to business, and we need to understand that God has gifted me to be able to fulfill this purpose, and I have shortchanged the Lord Jesus because I didn't think I could do it, or I'm getting distracted and all these kind of things like it. But he, he says, get fixed upon what you're doing. Understand that you have this one thing. And then he goes, on and says, and don't be distracted by your past. Some of us have problems with that. 
Now, when I say past, automatically you thought negative, didn't you? Sure you did. By the way, every one of us in this room tonight has had a negative past. Okay? Okay, so we're all on the same page here, right? So so, uh, you start thinking about, and here's Satan. He says, man, you can't do that. And then he drags something in the past. Now, but also, we can be distracted because of victories. Oh, God's been good to us. Man, I tell you what, I, I'm telling you, I've really had to, to be prayed up on this one. Last week, we had a tremendous week with those boys and girls. Man, we, it was good, and oh, we're, we're going to see fruit from all that. And if, if you're not careful, we can live back in vacation Bible school week and forget we got some things that need to go ahead, and we need to be focused on what He wants to do for us today. Amen. And so here we get distracted, and it's easily to be distracted. Now, sometimes you get distracted by your negative past, but also you can get distracted by your victories. Uh, here again, I guess basketballs, uh, I don't I guess they're still playing. Here again, who cares? But uh, I've noticed this. Now, I haven't done a survey on this. This is not scientific or anything. But uh, play basketball and say uh, you have a guy that can shoot the three. And so his purpose for that team is shoot the three. It's amazing to me that that dude can miss ten in a row and his coach is still telling him, you get the ball, you shoot it. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thinking, dude, he's missed ten. Why don't you keep on telling him to shoot the thing? Because that coach understands his capabilities and his potential and that's his purpose for this team, shoot the three. He'll miss 10 in a row, but then he'll knock down about 15 in a row. They give a press conference. I've never seen where they said, hey, how about those 10 you missed? They're always talking about those 15 he knocked down, right? But also in baseball, Mark McGuire and Hank Aaron, those Mickey Mantle, those home run hitters. But if you study and go back and look at the stats, those dudes struck out a lot. But you don't hear about that, though, do you? You don't hear about them strike. You hear about how many home runs they hit. Isn't it interesting when you come to church and you've had a couple of bad days or you you taught a lesson that you you come back and you say, man, I stunk it up. I didn't have my points down. I I forgot to do this and like that. And then Satan gets in there and he says, well, why don't you just go ahead and quit that class anyway? You you knew you shouldn't have took that class in the first place. Isn't it interesting? In basketball and baseball, it's okay if you mess up, but they keep on going. Why? Because they understood that's their purpose. See, they're a coach of that team understands. I brought this guy in because he can hit the long ball. I don't care if he strikes out every other time as long as he hits a couple home runs or whatnot because that's his purpose. But when it comes to church we do quite the opposite. We have something negative in our past and we say I'm ready to throw the towel in. Why is that? It's because we are not focused and we don't understand the purpose that God has brought before us and we have forgotten that he 
he has gifted me to be able to fulfill this purpose because this thing ain't about me. It's all about him and it's about his power working through me and it's not about what Mike can do and what he can muster up. See, what we've lost sight is what God's purpose is for ours. And I'm telling you, we'll also start strutting around when we have some victories. I remember going to pastor's conferences and they always ask, how many of you run in Sunday school? Oh man, we're busting the seams out. Think we're going to have to go into a building program. Which was a lie. I never went to one where it says, hey, how's your Sunday school? How's your attendance? Oh man, it's hit bottom. You don't talk about that. But you strut around saying, well... How many of you run in vacation Bible school? Oh, we ran about 600. Well, how many got saved? We had about 50 decisions. What about you? Oh, we had about 602, and we had 51. (laughs) We get so stinking prideful and arrogant, and we've lost sight. The victories that were won, certainly not because of what we did, And all the glory ought to go to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because it's by His grace we were able to see those saved. It's by His grace we have the attendance that we're having. And we better be careful, church, that we strut around and we start crowing and we start saying, look at us, look what we have done, because I'm telling you, we can lose it all tomorrow. So here he says, don't be distracted. But then he says... Last, and look at verse number 14. He says, be determined to fulfill your purpose. Be determined to fulfill your purpose. I hope I get this story right. This old boy, he had a junkyard dog. I mean, he had a dog as mean. I mean, mean. Had a fenced-in yard. Old boy was going to go on a business trip, so he's gone for about a week and a half. He comes home, and he says, well, honey, how things going? He says, how about my dog? What about Duke? How's he going? She says, oh, yeah, things ain't going too well for Duke. He says, what's wrong? She says, well, you know the neighbor's dog uh, two doors down. He says, "Uh, you mean that, that little poodle dog? She says, yeah. She says, well, what about it? What, what does that have to do with my dog? And he noticed the dog was kind of like, he looked like he'd just been beat down. And I mean, you know, he, he wasn't jumping or nothing. He was just, he said, what, what about, what's that poodle? He, she said, well, the day that you left, uh, that poodle dog snuck under under the fence. He says, and Duke got him, didn't he? She says, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. She said, I thought he was going to kill the dog. He said, what did he do? He says, well, that poodle dog kind of limped off and crawled back under the fence. He says, that's my boy. He said, uh, but wait a minute. What's wrong? She says, well, that poodle dog showed back up the next day. He said, are you serious? She said, what did Duke do? Duke ripped into him again. She said, oh, yeah. She said, oh, man, it was fur going on. She said, it was a sight. He said, did he kill him? Did he, did he get him? She says, no, dog limped off again. He said, uh, 
that don't explain why Duke is kind of look like he's been beaten down. What, what happened to that poodle dog? He didn't come back, did he? She said, oh, yeah, showed up the third day. So what, what happened? Duke tore into him again. Thought he was going to, I thought he done killed him. He says, I, you need to get to the point, uh, woman. He, he says, my dog, that's the meanest dog on this block, probably in this town, he looks like he's been whipped. And you're talking about a stupid little poodle dog that's come in three days, gotten whipped. He says, what happened to that poodle dog? She said he showed up the fourth day. He said, what did Duke do? She said, Duke started whimpering and ran into the house and he hasn't been the same since. Well, the man says, I don't understand that. I don't understand it. She says, oh, I figured it out. She said, what is it? She said, yeah, Duke tore into him pretty good those three or four days. She said, but I determined that Duke, when he saw him the fourth day, understood this was a dog that had determination and it doesn't wore him out. What I'm telling you is, we got to be determined like that junkyard dog that we're going to fulfill the purpose that God's laid before us. We got to be determined like that junkyard dog as a corporate body of believers that we're going to fulfill the purpose that God has set before us. But in Mark chapter 6, very quickly, in Mark chapter 6, verse number 33, you all know the story. Uh, the, the, the receding verses there talk about John the Baptist and the beheading of John the Baptist. And then we see that the, the Scripture says that Jesus shows up Word gets out that Jesus is showing up. And the Bible tells us, paraphrasing here, that uh, they were coming, the disciples were uh, getting in the boats, and they were coming out of the cities, and there was a large crowd. And it was a crowd that, uh, and everybody was wanting to come because they heard that Jesus was in their midst. Nothing was going to hinder them. Nothing was going to stop them. But then I want you to see a parallel passage that's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 19, where it says, where is our joy? And it talks about our crown, and it talks about uh, our, our, uh, the joy that we can have. And then it says, here's where our joy comes from, when we'll see Jesus face to face. Now watch this. Paul says, there's a race and we're running this race. We're dissatisfied with our performance. I know I ought to be doing better. I know I could be, uh, I know I could be uh, doing more. I understand that God has gifted me and I need to be determined and I need to uh, be dedicated to serving Him. I don't need to be distracted and I need to be determined just like that junkyard dog. Amen. And here's what drives me. One day, one day, I'm going to finish the finish line. And I'm going to see him high and lifted up. And he's going to say, you ran the course well, my friend. Enter into your reward. Isn't that good? What motivates us to want to fulfill our purpose? Him. What, do, what drives us? Him. 
What helps us to be understand that I'm not going to be satisfied? I understand I can always step my game up for the glory of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I understand that He's given me everything I can to complete the course. Oh, you may be a little battered and bruised, but I'm telling you, my dear friend, we're going to finish the finish, and we're going to finish the course. And the Bible says, and we will see Him as He is, and we shall be like Him. And that's when we'll fulfill the purpose that God has instilled upon us and God has gifted us to do. Amen. 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 And so here, Paul says, later on in his writings, he says, I fought a good fight and I finished the course. I don't know about you, but when I reach that finish line, I don't want to look back with any regrets. I want to be able to stand before my Lord and Savior and say, Lord, I know I wasn't much, but I gave it all. And Lord, I wanted to please you more than anything. And Lord, I know I could have done better, but I did the best I could. I don't think he's going to say, well, you know, you could have done better. Why didn't you do better? I think he's going to say, well done. Well done. But here's the question. Are we, are we determined to fulfill God's purpose that He has for us? Do you have any regrets right now? I told the boys and girls a story about a little boy and that little boy was me. I told them, uh, in the story that I didn't get saved till I was 26 years old. I didn't tell him this part. And I said, you know, that was a happy, I, I got saved, and, and, and I told him the rest of the story there. I didn't tell him this part. Even though that's a happy story because I got saved, and I'm here today. But I didn't tell him that it was also a sad one because... I wished I'd started running before I got 26 years old. I don't know about you, but I don't want any of us to say, Lord, I left a little bit behind. We need to be living our lives now with no regrets. So the question for you tonight is, are you satisfied with where you're at? Are you satisfied with how you're running your race? Well, yeah, I think I can't. You're on the wrong track. You should never be satisfied until you see Him face to face. Church, are we satisfied? And I thought about this, and, and, and I know, but uh, I, I just, I got, I got to tell you this. We're, of course, our pastors on leave and, and all, and, and, you know, and everybody's been so kind, Brother Shane and myself and, and all that. And, and, but uh, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought, you know, when we started, we were thinking, boy, if we can just hang on. If we can just hang on. 
you know, we don't have like 500 people leaving or something like that. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? I thought, Lord, help me to be able to where when our pastor comes back that he looks at me and says, what happened to 150 people? Because I did such a sorry job. And I thought, that's the wrong motivation. Listen, listen. We should not be satisfied with being average and with a status quo. And if we can just hang on, we ought to be pursuing this thing with all that we have and understand that God's purpose for us has not left us. God still has a plan and a purpose for us and what we need to determine tonight Tonight, we need to determine, am I giving it all for the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he's gifted me and he has equipped me and he's gifted you and equipped you. We have no excuse to stay status quo. We ought to be busting the doors open. We ought to be looking at going into a building program. Said, Brother Mike, you're getting kind of carried away with this. I'm not getting carried away. And if I am, I want some of you to get carried away with me. I'm telling you, that's the way we ought to look at things, that we don't want to be average, status quo, just hang on. We need to be in hot pursuit, going after the lost, edifying the saviors, and looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and saying, Lord Jesus, we're in it. And we're here to stay and we're here to pursue and fulfill the purpose that you've laid before us.